Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Morning, everyone. Uh, welcome. So, yes, I work for the Financial Times. I'm pretty sure that most of you are therefore aware that we are a subscription-based company. You've probably seen our paywall many, many times. But let me tell you a little bit about VFT and our industry. So we are um, one of the world's leading uh, news organizations. You probably know us if you were following the stereotype, I guess. We are very much financial news, market analysis. But we actually do a lot more. So um, I love our work and careers content, for example. We have very talented opinion writers. And we cover a really broad range of what's happening in the world. So a little bit about us. Um, over the last probably eight to ten years, uh, we've had a big transformation at the Financial Times. So um, newspaper is now deemed a little bit old, old school, um, and we have transitioned to digital focus. And this is something that has spread throughout the company. So obviously in product and tech, digital is our thing, but um, the newsroom, marketing, commercial, everyone involved is very much thinking digitally first at the Financial Times. We have switched from focusing on advertising revenue to subscriptions. Um, so as newspaper circulation has somewhat fallen, um, so have our uh, advertising revenue from, that, um, from the newspaper. Um, and a lot of our advertising revenue online has actually moved to companies like Facebook and Google. So for us, it was a really good decision, but we were very like early movers in switching to a subscription-based company. And that's what the whole company is all about, growing the number of subscribers. So if we look to our industry, we've had to kind of keep pace with change. Um, it's a scary fact that two-thirds of people who read their news by social media don't actually remember the source of that news. Um, no idea. <laughs> so what we do at VFT is we try and build habit with our content, and then that leads to people subscribing. So for us, that's quite a challenge. Um, not everyone nowadays is a fan of the news. Um, that's definitely a growing trend on the other side of a pond. Um, and at the, at the FT, we have shared goals. So we have been on a march to a million subscribers. We are getting very, very close. So we're at 993,000 subscribers. Um, so we've all been working collectively very hard, and I think we're all hoping for a rather big party when we do hit that point. And for us, um, what we're all about is our gold standard of journalism. And that's very much um, spread from the newsroom, but it's the responsibility of everyone who works at the FT to protect um, that quality and protect that reputation. Um, and we're probably a little bit biased, but we think we have a rather good tech and product uh, team. And that's something which um, it's its own department um, at the FT. It's very central. We work with the newsroom, with B2B, with B2C. Um, data, everyone. So we are very much at the core of what the FT does. So in 2015, the FT was purchased by Nikkei. Uh, hands up if you've heard of Nikkei. Okay, that's quite cool. Again, my 
geeky FD colleagues and waving their hands. Um, so Nikkei is one of Japan's leading business publications. They've been the main business publication in Japan for over a century, and they have um, a ridiculous circulation of like three million dailies. And what we've been doing is um, working with Nikkei Asian Review. So that is a small publication within Nikkei who are predominantly a business publication, and they are focusing in on the uh, region of Asia. So it's a region which is quite hard to report on. It's quite hard to find out what's happening in Asia. Um, so if you are doing business in Asia or with, business, um, with customers in Asia, that's the USP of this publication. They get things way ahead of even us <laughs> um, and other publications because they have the, the trusted and the quality of the experts within that region themselves. Their network on the ground is uh, much greater than other publications. So what we did in around 2017 is partnership. So we had some of our um, senior people in the newsroom and some of our best newsroom uh, journalists and editors um, go on secondments to the Nikkei Asian Review newsroom. But what we also did was work very closely with their tech and product teams. Um, and the purpose of that was to share FT learnings, so the digital transformation that we have been on, to accelerate their growth. So they also are a paywall subscription-based company, so we're trying to accelerate their growth of subscriptions. And we're trying to help them switch from that you know, newspaper or magazine, for this instance, uh, focus into a real digital-first thinking. And we've been doing that by working very closely, um, by evolving their products across pretty much their entire business. We've been a bit busy. We've been working with their newsroom, and we've built a new customer-facing website with them. Um, we've looked at their data platform, and we're also working with their marketing teams as well. So it's really looking across the whole business. But during this process, we actually forgot quite an important thing for us. Um, so we forgot that at the FT, we follow lean product principles. Um, and this caused us quite a lot of pain. Um, so the first pitfall was that there was actually no real clear direction on the program. Um, we were delivering things, and the team was doing a great job of getting those things out the door, but we didn't really understand what the big picture was. The second pitfall was that we were very much feeling the distance. So yes, they are way over there, and that brings complexities. So they are nine hours ahead, and we have to use Google Hangout, et cetera, et cetera. But the real uh, challenge was the cultural differences. So Japanese culture is very different from ours, but also Nikkei and FT. As companies, we are complete, sometimes worlds apart. And it's trying to find, if you're forming a partnership where they're not seeing us as a supplier, and we're not seeing them as a customer, we're actually forming a genuine partnership, you really have to think very hard about how you overcome those cultural differences. Um, and as a result, the pace had dropped. But I'm sure everyone in the room appreciates that if you're actually working in a waterfall methodology, it is really not a pretty place to be. So we very much <laughs> needed to pivot. Um, and one of the things that we wanted to do was bring the joy back to the partnership and to the program. It's a really cool pro uh, program to work on. You get to fly to Tokyo, which is quite a cool perk as well. Um, but there was a lot of tension, and we really wanted to kind of let everyone really enjoy themselves, because that's, as I'm sure you all know, when you deliver your best work. So what did we do about it? 
Now, this sounds very, very basic, but um, I don't think I'd ever really truly appreciated the strength of a product vision, which is a bad thing to say as a product manager, but I'm being honest. Um, I joined the project, and yes, there was some tension around our delivery pace and mastering Google Hangout, um, and there was also this insanely long list of features um, spread across about five backlogs, which was interesting. Um, and you're kind of thrown into that situation, and people are asking you to prioritize stuff, but what are we even trying to achieve? And we didn't have that. So what we did was use this as a way to reset our program and our partnership. So we created what we deem an inspiring product vision. Um, Nick Asian Review provides original quality insight that enables professionals with an interest in Asian business to make informed decisions and gain competitive advantage. What we also did was reset what we feel brand, um, NAR is all about, so what our brand values are. Um, and we agreed that we are expert, authoritative, valuable, original, and independent. And then what we did was a little bit more of a drill down on our personas. So they existed, but they weren't being used all the time. So what we wanted to understand was how are we empowering our customers? What are we enabling them to do? And the biggest thing that we did was that we did this quite collaboratively um, as one team. And that's why it was a really good way of resetting the partnership approach. So um, in the room, we had um, different cultures. So Japanese, um, us. We also had Nikkei and FT. But then we also had newsroom. We had commercial team members. And we had product and tech. So this was a really, really useful exercise where basically we went through everything. So what is NAR? What are we trying to do for our customers? Um, and then we came up with this shared vision. And it's again, I know this sounds like a basic thing, but if you're trying to work across cultures and trying to get buy-in across lots of different ways of working, you really need to have a very, very strong understanding and a shared understanding of that purpose. So the second thing we did was work out how to tackle group consensus. So in Japan, um, Japanese culture, there is something called nemawashi. And what it basically means is group consensus. So it takes a long time to build group consensus. Um, here we go into a meeting, we'll like bash out some things, and we'll make a decision. And if you can do that in half hour, grand, an hour, etc. In Jap Japanese culture, it takes um, you kind of go round and you build consensus before the meeting's even begun. Um, the meeting will happen. There'll be an informal meeting after the meeting, and then you'll do more consensus building, and then you'll come back. That's just a cultural thing. Um, and we are not going to be able to change Japanese culture in our program, um, but we have to work within it, and we have to make that process great. Otherwise the pace issue was never going to improve. So what we were trying to do, um, which was a very fun exercise, um, was try and get a decision from about 20, 25 people via a Google Hangout. Um, and that was not successful. So what did we do about it? Um, we basically split our stakeholder groups, so our 20 to 25 people who cared very passionately about this project, down into smaller groups. So we started with a leadership group. Um, so leadership at the FT for us is uh, tech, 
product and delivery. Um, at Nikkei, it's slightly different. So they have um, newsroom and commercial, and then the product and tech team sit within that commercial team. So what we did was identify the two senior stakeholders in the newsroom, two senior stakeholders in the commercial teams, and then working with us, that formed that leadership group. So that was one chunk. Next chunk um, was what we deem the experts. So if we were working, I'll give you a couple of examples, on our on-site acquisition journey, um, we're improving the subscription flow for Nicasian Review, the experts in that are obviously marketing, and we're looking at subscription journeys with them. If we're improving our navigation on our website, that's very much more of a newsroom's bag because they're trying to work out how we break out our content. So if, depending on the feature that we were working on, we would have a group of experts who we would be talking to. The product and tech teams bundled quite cleanly. That was quite straightforward as one group. And then everyone else was kind of an FYI on the thing that we were trying to do. So what we had was a process which definitely was probably more involved, but overall, it was quicker. So we would first of all work with our leadership team um, to prioritize what, um, what we wanted to do, and they would have final say um, with us. So that was a collective exercise. So once we agreed to prioritize something, for example, improving our navigation on the website, we would then engage with the experts and the product and tech teams. So for us, that was, in that example, the newsroom, as I said. And we talked to product and tech um, at NAR, the tech uh, engineers in our team, and do all the, you know, all the normal stuff, feasibility, sides of effort, et cetera. And then what we would then do is kind of come back to the group and kind of say, as an FYI, in a Google Hangout, we are going to do this. So it wasn't a, is this okay? Can we seek your permission to do it? It was a, we've worked with the experts, we've looked at this from a product and tech perspective, we are confident in our solution, and this is what we're going to do. And that was just a lot um, simpler, a lot quicker, um, and a, something that just really, really worked for us. So the next big change we did was um, look at our product approach. So the FT's product approach is here, and Nikkei's is all the way over here. We have very different ways of working. And we had to try and find a happy medium, and we defined this as our partnership product approach. So what we do at the FT is um, we don't just go through a list of product features. We really focus on the outcomes that we are trying to achieve. So um, for a subscription business, this might be looking at acquisition, so growing the number of subscribers we have. Um, engagement, which is all about building reader habit, because if we build the reader habit of anonymous people, more people will subscribe. And if we ingrain the habit of our subscribers, they are more likely to retain. They won't cancel their subscription and leave. We also look at quality, which is very important to us, uh, revenue, um, and efficiency, because we were also doing work to improve the newsroom's way of working so they could be more digitally focused. So what we did as our first step um, of instilling this product approach was really defining the outcomes that we were trying to collectively, with NAR as a partnership, um, improve. The second is that, you probably appreciate this, none of us like being told by a stakeholder, build that. Um, what we want is to be given a problem that we can then work with them 
And I'm a big believer of that, that at that point, the stakeholder becomes part of your product team, and you together work out how you solve that problem. If you give engineers, uh, UXD, product, newsroom journalists a problem, it is, you'll get a much better solution at the end of it, rather than someone's idea saying, right, can you go and do this, please? Thank you very much. So what we did was go through our big list of everything that was ever dreamed of on this uh, project, which was after about 18 months, so that's quite the substantial list. Um, and we identified for every single feature request what was the actual problem we were trying to solve. And then we took learnings from qualitative data and quantitative data. So when I joined the project, um, the data on our website, being honest, wasn't in the best uh, shape. So that's something that we prioritized straight away because you can't make decisions without data. But in absence of that, what we did was just be pragmatic. So we had this experience of EFT, and we had this really good understanding from Nikkei Asian Review of what their customer was trying to do. So that's how we kind of initially um, prioritized our work. And then with the team, we created hypotheses. So again, instead of saying, can you do this? We said, we believe doing this piece of work will um, change this behavior, which will deliver this business outcome. Um, and what I did was create a, a slide deck. I believe most things can be achieved in the slide deck. Um, and it was kind of a template that we shared with Nikkei. So what we did was kind of say, right, state your outcome, the problem, the hypothesis, the data to support your hypothesis. And that's how we would kind of start then approaching how we design products. And then once we design those products, what we've introduced recently is more testing. So again, pragmatism, I feel, is going to be our word for this year. But we are currently unable to test with our uh, readers in Asia. So what we then thought about was, OK, what can we do of value here? So we started to do usability testing um, with FT staff, for example. So if we can ensure that the products we're actually designing are at least usable, and we found out a load of stuff in customer testing when we've done this kind of stuff, that can really improve the products that we're designing. This was probably where there was the most tension on our project. Um, so going back to our continuum, so imagine FT land over here. What we try and do is ship as early as possible, work on the most minimum tiny, teeny thing. Um, and then our platforms are basically built so that if we release something, and this doesn't happen very often, but if we do break production, um, we can revert that change very, very quickly. And that's kind of how we try and work. Whereas um, Nikkei, due to probably Japanese culture very much so, um, and Nikkei culture, it's very much on the higher end of the quality spectrum. Um, so you know that story, like the last 20% takes 80% of your time. They will very much strive for that last 20%. So we tried to do this approach, didn't really work. Tried to do that approach, and it was just too slow for us. So what we do is we use the phrase uh, to ship as soon as we are ready. So we're not striving for perfection, but then we have to be realistic and mindful that our um, partner has a little bit more of a quality expectation than probably we do, because we will try and release stuff and learn as quickly as possible. So finding that middle ground was a really important step and has really reduced a lot of tension in the relationship. And then lastly, um, 
hot off the press, what we did this um, last month, I believe, was introduce an A-B testing tool. So at the FT, we are data crazy. Uh, we have our own data platform. We have our own, we've built our own thing that tracks and grabs data off of a website. We've built our own uh, dashboard in. We've built our own newsroom analytics tool. And we built our own A-B testing tool. So that's very much ingrained to what we do. But at Nick Asian Review, we just didn't have that capacity. So um, it was, as a product manager, a little bit unnerving when you're releasing things because you have no real way of measuring, yes, did it have a direct uplift? Or if something didn't, then you were like, OK, at least I've only done that to like 50% of our audience. So what we've done now is uh, work with the Nick Asian Review tech team because they have their own tech and product teams. And they were able to install a... Japanese A-B testing platform on our website. So again, I, my Japanese is learning. It's not that good. But we can work with them to set up A-B tests, which will be a really, really, as I'm sure you know, integral part of our product process going forward. So this is our partnership approach. We've looked at how we do product at the FT. We've looked at how we do product at Nikkei. And then we've tried to find that happy medium. And if I was to give three key takeaways for how we've done this working across cultures, um, I would say it can absolutely be done. Um, yes, there are your normal challenges, Google Hangouts, Slack, time zones. But if you actually really tailor your approach for product and how you build products, you will get substantial gains. Um, and it is very hard. Um, so what we've done is when we build products, we learn, we build, we measure, we learn, and we keep going. What we've done is apply that to our ways of working as a partnership. So I have made many faux pas um, over the last 18 months, but we try and we try again, and then we get to that place where we're actually working very collaboratively and collectively, which is great. Um, and lastly, the joy is back. So... Um, I guess our metric would be banter, maybe. I don't know. But on our Google Hangouts, there is definitely that relationship now there. Um, that's been achieved with face-to-face -face, um, trips, um, eating lots of sushi and drinking lots of sake in Tokyo. But um, we definitely have that close relationship, and it doesn't feel like a supplier and client anymore. Um, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.